0: Dear Father in heaven, thank you for another opportunity for us to fellowship with you. Every time we spend with you, we get strength and we receive power to become the sons of God. You have said that your words, when it is spoken and received, is spirit and life to the soul that receives it. Lord, I pray for every one of us who are here now listening that you will speak to us your words, that it may be spirit and life to us, and that we shall receive power as the Holy Ghost comes upon us. As spiritual things are spiritually discerned, Lord, please grant us your Spirit for the sake of discernment and for the sake of giving us power to perform what we learn. As for me, Lord, I pray that you put your words in my mouth, for nothing I can say can help your children. Therefore, Lord, bless us with your word as we listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. CONFLICT AND COURAGE JUNE 20 SATAN'S STEALTHY WORK For our fight is not against any physical enemy. It is against organizations and powers that are spiritual. We are up against the unseen power that controls this dark world and spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. Ephesians 6-12 verse 12. The Bible has little to say in praise of men. Little space is given to recounting the virtues of even the best men who have ever lived. This silence is not without purpose. It is not without a lesson. All the good qualities that men possess are the gift of God. Their good deeds are performed by the grace of God through Christ. Since they owe all to God, the glory of whatever they are, Or do belongs to him alone. They are but instruments in his hands. More than this, as all the lessons of Bible history teach, it is a perilous thing to praise or exalt men. For if one comes to lose sight of his entire dependence on God and to trust to his own strength, he is sure to fall. It is impossible for us in our own strength to maintain the conflict and whatever diverts the mind from God, whatever leads to self-exaltation or to self-dependence is surely preparing the way for our overthrow. The tenor of the Bible is to inculcate distrust of human power and to encourage trust in divine power. It was the spirit of self-confidence and self-exaltation that prepared the way for David's fall. Flattery, and the subtle allurements of power and luxury were not without effect upon him. Intercourse with surrounding nations also exerted an influence for evil. According to the customs prevailing among eastern rulers, crimes not to be tolerated in subjects were uncondemned in the king. The monarch was not under obligation to exercise the same self-restraint as the subjects. All this tended to lessen David's sense of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, and instead of relying in humility upon the power of Jehovah, he began to trust to his own wisdom and and might. As soon as Satan can separate the soul from God, the only source of strength, he will seek to arouse the unholy desires of man's carnal nature. The work of the enemy is not abrupt, it is not at the outset sudden and startling. It is a secret on the mining of the strongholds of principle. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Satan's Stealthy Work. And our key text is taken from Ephesians 6 verse 12 that tells us, For our fight is not against the physical, any physical enemy. It is against organizations and powers that are spiritual headquarters of evil. The devil is who that passage is referring to, and what is being referred to there is his manner of working. The last statement of that devotion is filled with a lot of meaning. It says, the work of the enemy is not abrupt. It is not at the outset, sudden and startling. The last statement now, it is a secret undermining of the strongholds of principle. my secret undermining of the strongholds if there's one thing i have learned if we will turn away from sin and if we will not fall into sin we must run away from it as far as possible and create barriers of protection for ourselves and these barriers are to be seen as principles that should never be broken because breaking these principles they are usually little things very small things but it's those small things that we should take note of it is not the bigger things people like to focus on sins like oh, telling lies adultery fornication killing and all of that but those things are not what you should be focusing on we should check more for the little steps that bring us closer to committing those sins that is where our concern should be some people undermine these principles but it's in undermining those principles that we are led into sin the strongholds of principle the barricade the fence that the lord has placed to protect us from the attack of satan that is what we should take note of but how satan works is that he separates our soul from god he arouses unholy desires and he does it little by little by taking one block at a time on that fence. You may erect a fence high up to protect yourself from Satan. Satan doesn't work by bringing the fence down in one sweep. He brings it down slowly and imperceptibly by removing one block after another. One block after another. And that is why it is called Satan's stealthy work. In a very huge fence, if you are not very careful to take note of every block of that fence that protects you, you will not be able to notice just one block that is taken away, and tomorrow another, and then little by little, the fence looks the same in your eyes, but it is, it, is, it is diminishing in its height until it is finally completely reduced and then Satan can come in. But before you notice that the fence was reduced, it will be too late. Reading from Testimonies, Volume 2, page 478 and 479, we are told, The mind of a man or woman, does not come down in a moment from purity and holiness to depravity, corruption and crime. It takes time to transform the human to the divine or to degrade those formed in the image of God to the brutal or the satanic. By beholding, we become changed. Though formed in the image of his maker, man can so educate his mind that sin which he once loathed, will become pleasant to him as he ceases to watch and pray, he ceases to guard the citadel, the heart, and engages in sin and crime. The mind is debased and it is impossible to elevate it from corruption while it is being educated to enslave the moral and the intellectual powers and bring them in subjection to grosser passions. Constant war against the carnal mind must be maintained and we must be aided by the refining influence of the grace of God, which will attract the mind upward and habituate it to meditate upon pure and holy things. End of quote. We are looking at the life of David. After David was king and the obstacles to his progress and the persecution that was given him when he was younger was taken away, there were things that happened in David's life that showed that this man something was going wrong stealthily silently the barriers that protected him were being removed little by little he was taking liberties that he should not have taken and Satan was little by little undermining the strongholds of principle in David's life till he was brought so low to the brutal and satanic David did things that even King Saul didn't do David did the thing that King David did things that even King Saul did just equal to the same crime that King Saul committed. In Second Samuel chapter three verse two, it tells us down to verse five what this what this is. David first began by in the issue of his sexual sin, going into polygamy because it was popular to do so. The word of God prohibits polygamy. He himself did not grow up in a polygamous home. This was a creeping compromise on his part. Second Samuel 3 verse 2 to 5 says, and, David were, and unto David were born sons in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and his second, Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite, and the third, Absalom, the son of Makah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur and the fourth Adonijah the son of Haggit and the fifth Shepatiah the son of Abital and the sixth Ithream, by Egla, David's wife these were born unto David in Hebron how many wives did we count now? that was about six women from Ahinoam then to Abigail and then to Maka and then to Haggit and then to Abital and then the sixth one Ethereum Egla, that was David's wife. Six wives David had now. Now that was when he was in Hebron, Hebron. But when he became king of all Israel, in second Samuel chapter 5, from verse 13 to 16, when he now went to Jerusalem, the Bible says, And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come from hebron and there were yet sons and daughters born to david and these be the names that were born unto him in jerusalem Shammah and shobab and Nathan and solomon ibha also and elisha and nepheg and japhia and Elishama and Eliada and eliphalet what was it that made david to do this having six wives man six wives what was it that led david to this From our devotion as we read in Conflict and Courage, page 177, paragraph 4, it says, It was the spirit of self-confidence and self-exaltation that prepared the way for David's fall. Flattery and the subtle allurements of power and luxury were not without effect upon him. Intercourse with surrounding nations also exerted an influence for evil. According to the customs prevailing among Eastern rulers, crimes not to be tolerated in subjects were uncondemned in the king. The monarch was not under obligation to exercise the same self-restraint as the subject. All this tended to to lessen David's sense of the exceeding sinfulness of sin. End of quote. You see, the spirit of self-confidence always reveals itself in a careless disregard of something that God's word prohibits. It is also done presumptuously. Self-confidence and presumption leads one to think, that they can take some liberties that others do not take, perhaps because of their position and some feeling of self-importance. It starts by disregard of that which is called small injunction. As we grow in our Christian journey, we begin to feel like we are above some commands, we start to feel strong, and we think that we can violate some of God's principles because it is a little matter. But this disregard opens the way for a greater compromise. Liberties are taken, which it is not lawful for one to take. But the person who takes the liberty thinks that because of who he or she is, because of their position, then they can be excused. It was this way that Eve separated from her husband and was ensnared. What am I referring to here? I'm referring to little things in the word of God. That when we are told not to do them, even if we do them, it does not look like a sin it is those things that we need to take note of because those are the fences that the Lord has placed to barricade us those are the strongholds of principle those strongholds of principles are the little things Eve for example was told not to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil but was that all she was told? if she took note of that alone and we also just choose to look at the law of God thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal then we will fall into sin It is not those blatant sins that we are to look at. It is the barriers that stop us from getting to that big sin. That is what we are to look at. As for Eve, she was told more than that she should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let us read now from the story of redemption page 30. It says from paragraph 2, They, angels, told them, Adam and Eve, that Satan proposed to do them harm, and it was necessary for them to be guarded. For they might come in contact with the fallen foe. But he could not harm them while they yielded obedience to God's command. For if necessary, every angel from heaven would come to their help rather than that he should in any way do them harm. But if they disobeyed the command of God, then Satan would have power to ever annoy, perplex, and trouble them. If they remained steadfast against the first insinuations of Satan, They were as secure as the heavenly angels, but if they yielded to the tempter, he who spared not the exalted angels will not spare them. They must suffer the penalty of their transgression. In page 31, paragraph 1 now we are told, The angels cautioned Eve not to separate from her husband in her employment, for she might be brought in contact with this fallen foe. If separated from each other, they might be in greater danger than if both were together. The angels charged them to closely follow the instructions God had given them in reference to the tree of knowledge, for in perfect obedience they were safe. Take note of that thing: perfect obedience. And this fallen folk could then have no power to deceive them. God would not permit Satan to follow the holy pair with continual temptations. He could have access to them only at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. End of quote. So let's look at what's going on here. Apart from the instruction given to them that they should not eat of the tree, they were given further instruction that in order for you to be safer, they were already safe if they don't go to the tree. But further instruction was given to them for their greater safety. And what is that? Walk together. Do not separate from each other. Let's go on now. Reading from page 32, paragraph 2, we are told. Eve, unconsciously at first, separated from her husband in her employment when she became aware of the fact she felt that there might be a danger but again she thought herself secure even if she did not remain close by the side of her husband oh my she had wisdom and strength to know if evil came and to meet it this the angels had cautioned her not to do eve found herself Gazing with mingled curiosity and admiration upon the fruit of the forbidden tree, she saw it was very lovely and was reasoning with herself why God had so decidedly prohibited their eating or touching it. Now was Satan's opportunity. He addressed her as though he was able to divine her thoughts. Yeah, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Thus, with soft, and pleasant words and with musical voice he addressed the wandering Eve she was startled to hear a serpent speak he extolled her beauty an exceeding loveliness which was not displeasing to Eve but she was amazed for she knew that to the serpent god had not given the power of speech End of quote so what was it that caused us to be where we are today was it the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil i'll say not exactly it was because Eve did not take the safest course in our journey to our heavenly Canaan there is that which is good there is that which is okay there is that which is safe and there is that which is safer and there's that which is safest which will you take as you grow in self-confidence you will not take the safest course anymore you will start taking that which is okay and feel as far as there's no sin in it I'm fine this was what Eve did There's no sin in me separating from my husband. When she became aware of the fact that she was separated, she saw that there was danger. But then later, she thought to herself, I don't need to remain close by my husband. I have strength and wisdom enough to know if evil comes. Conflict and Courage, page 177, paragraph 5 tells us, As soon as Satan can separate the soul from God, the only source of strength, he will seek to arouse the unholy desires of man's carnal nature. The work of the enemy is not abrupt. It is not at the outset sudden and startling. It is a secret undermining of the strongholds of principle. What were the strongholds of principle given to Eve? Don't separate from your husband. That's one. Secondly, don't go close to the tree. In separating from her husband had she sinned, one would say no. In going close to the tree had she sinned, one would say no. But was she safe? No. The safest course was given to her, do not separate perhaps you separate ignorantly no sin in it but when she realized it she felt I can do well on my own after feeling that way she went to the tree now she has not sinned if she left that tree without eating of the fruit the Lord would not charge her with iniquity but was she in the safest place no she was not in the safest place now she was parleying with sin speaking with the serpent the devil through the serpent that was what she was doing and what was next for her since she was where was okay but not safe or safer or safest, she was in the place that was okay but yet caution was to be carried in this place. What happened next? She fell. Satan's stealthy work begins with a disregard of those instructions that act as the initial barriers against sin. When those barriers are broken, no harm is done. This leads the one who broke the barrier to feel confident and see the barrier as unnecessary. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the heart of men is fully setting them to do evil, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. It was thus that Solomon fell. He was twice charged by God not to marry unbelievers. But Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter converted. Solomon then became confident in himself. He ventured to marry more and more women and he did not see the danger. He kept on following God for many, many years after marrying non-believers. But in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, we are told, But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into to them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. What lesson do I want to get from here? When did Solomon finally sin? Was it immediately he married those unbelieving women? No, he was a young man when he married them. Very young. The Bible says when he was old. How long was this? Solomon ruled for fifty years. Not this would have taken him perhaps like 30 years, 40 years. And it took about 40. I don't know. I'm just I'm just giving a number to it. Maybe it took about 40 good years before Solomon was finally gotten. He broke down the barriers. At the initial stage when he broke it down, there was no danger. He was still serving god worshiping the god of heaven but when he was old the things that solomon did was terrible reading from conflict and courage page 193 paragraph 2 he says so gradual was solomon's apostasy that before he was aware of it he had wandered far from god almost imperceptibly he began to trust less and less in divine guidance and blessing and to put confidence in his own strength what was it that was the source of David's fall? Self-confidence and also receiving the flattery. Remember when David was was they were singing, Saul had killed the thousands and David his ten thousands. David started to take liberties. Women will come around him, and the things that others will not do, David will do. Married more wives, which was wrong because it was other nations that were doing that. God does not permit polygamy, and God didn't say anything. God allowed him, and he continued to take more liberties. You see, the Lord has given us similar instructions like that given to Eve, especially in the matters that has to do with adultery and social reform. A careless disregard of these laws will bring bring to us sure ruin. Even if Solomon converted his wives, his example will only be a snare to others who would follow his footsteps and make a shipwreck of their faith. If we needlessly and carelessly disregard the laws that God has given us for our safety, we are ensnaring our feet. God has given us instructions for our safety. It did not look like a sin for Eve to separate from Adam, but she was not safe in doing so. There are some things that God has told us to do which only a spirit of self-confidence will lead us to feel like we can do without those laws. If you find yourself unduly and without reason going against these safeguards, watch yourself. For the wrong example you show may lead others astray or the disregard may well lead you to sin. Someone feels that because he is a pastor, he can be alone with a lady for counselling or that one can take undue liberties, holding hands, talking to them sitting on their laps and such like things. The spirit of self-confidence is creeping in. At times, the conscience first remonstrates like that of Eve but later it is silenced by the person feeling no danger at all. Satan's stealthy work has begun and the one in danger may never see the danger till many years like Solomon. It may be when you are old that the living will show its results. We are to learn to give due regard to all of God's counsels. We should never feel bored to go against these strongholds of principle and safeguards. We shouldn't unwarrantedly go against them. Eve separated unknowingly and that's not wrong. That time it was not a sin but when she realized it and still continued, that was when she could not be assured of protection. Even the line of duty. Some emergency requires us to go against these strongholds of principles, these safeguards. It is still dangerous, but we can be more assured of God's protection. But if we, out of a mere disregard or a sense of liberality and confidence in ourselves, cease to feel our danger like Eve and begin to separate from God, disregarding His injunctions, His principles and commands, we are playing with fire and it will burn us. It almost looks as though no one is safe from this sin of self confidence and presumption. Even David fell into the same sin. Gideon, Samson, King Saul, Moses, and Aaron all fell for the same sin. To a greater or less degree, many of us fall into the same error of self confidence. Is there no hope? There is hope. Joshua, Joseph, Abraham, our Lord Jesus Christ, Daniel, Elisha, Elijah, and many other faithful men have endured the temptation of prosperity and exaltation and yet were not self-confident and presumptuous. They endured the temptation that comes with fame, prosperity, and flattery. Like we were told in Devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 177, paragraph 2 All the good qualities that men possess are the gifts of God. Their good deeds are performed by the grace of God through Christ. Since they owe all to God, the glory of whatever they are or do belongs to Him alone. They are but instruments in His hand. More than this, as all the lessons of Bible history teach, it is a perilous thing to praise or exalt men. And therefore it's perilous for us to receive the praise and exaltation. For if one comes to lose sight of his entire dependence on God and to trust to his own strength, He is sure to fall. End of quote. There are, like I said, barriers that the Lord has placed around us. For example, there is nothing wrong in talking to one who is forward. But the Bible tells us don't even go near their path. If you go near, have you sinned? No. But take the safest course every time. In the book of Proverbs 4, reading from verse 14, we are told, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men, Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light, that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. What is the safest course? Avoid it, pass not by it. If If you pass by it, have you seen no? But this is the instruction. Avoid it, pass not by it. In every sin that there is, there is a safe course to follow. For example, in the sin of idolatry, Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that it is not a sin to eat food sacrificed to idols, but it is safer for you not to eat it. Because when those foods are sacrificed to idols, you are partaking of the table of demons and there are some people who will see you and their faith will shake. In every sin there is that safe course. The danger of not taking the safe course is that others who are looking at you will be led to sin and then also you yourself, like Solomon, you never know. You can fall many years later. It may not happen now when you are breaking those barriers, especially when it comes to this sin of adultery. We will look at it in tomorrow's devotion more. But in every sin there is, there starts, first of all, a breaking of little, little barriers that do not seem like sin in and of themselves. But in doing that we are preparing the way for a great fall let us beware that we do not become self-confident and feel that we are strong enough and then we, we, we stop taking the safest course we start to place ourselves where we should not be go to places we should not go and when you are going there you have not seen going to a place is not a sin but it looks as if you can help yourself you can protect yourself but in doing this you are becoming self-confident and little by little, it may take you years, you will fall. By, like we just read, you are sure to fall. Let us be careful. Take the safest course every time. Take the safest course. What is the safe course? Do not even as much as listen to the worldly music. It is safe not to go there. Do not as much as look at anything that is evil. It is safe not to look. Do not go to places where you know there will be temptations. It is safer not to go. Do not place yourself. The Bible says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill his lust. If you make the provision, have you sinned? It looks as if you've not. You are okay still. But then you are tempting yourself. We are told in the work of social reform, there are certain things you should not do. If not, you are placing yourself in temptation. May the Lord help us and give us grace to take note of all those strongholds of principles that we do not allow the devil to take one block at a time from the fence that the Lord has put to protect us. Eventually then we fall. Let us keep up the barrier so that we take the safest course at all times and not disregard instructions and fall into sin. Let us pray. Thank you Father in heaven for these instructions. Open our eyes, Lord, to see those strongholds of principles that you have placed to protect us so that we will not fall into iniquity. Lord, help us not to feel confident to do things and go to places that the Lord would say that this is not safe for us to go to or for us to do or a safe place for us to go. Help us, Lord, to retrace our steps. If we have some things we are doing that shows that we are playing with fire, Please, Lord, help us not to go further anymore. Bring it to our notice, Lord, that we may repent of it. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.